0: Welcome to the High Speed Podcast, the official podcast of the High Speed Alliance, taking you further, faster, together. We are setting our course for freedom and legacy through mastery of business, finance, family, and lifestyle.
1: Welcome to the High Speed Podcast. This is your host, Forrest Bryant, and I'm excited to have uh, Aaron Chapman on the call today. We are really uh, focused on helping our listeners and our members develop freedom and legacy in their lives through mastering business, finance, family, and lifestyle. And uh, one of the things that is really super critical in, in, uh, in, in helping our members is uh, uh, residential real estate. And one of the things that's really important to that overall plan is uh, the ability to use leverage. So I'm really excited that we got Aaron Chapman on the line. He is an expert at uh, helping helping doctors and physicians and small business owners uh, get financing and use leverage to add those uh, single family and multifamily uh, properties into their portfolio. So, uh, Aaron, thanks for being here today. How you doing, buddy?
0: Doing very good. How about you, Forrest?
1: Man, I'm I'm doing good. I uh, you know th- this is a, a little bit two southern boys here. I'm sitting down in Alabama, and you're in Missouri, sitting on the rocking chair on the front porch there.
0: Well, not quite the front porch, just the inside. The chair does rock. And <laughs> on, on my, yeah, if I was on the rocking chair, you'd hear too much noise from the outdoors. But yeah, it is, it's awesome out here. I'm sitting in my office cabin built, uh, it's an 1800 style cabin. And it's, uh, it's an amazing environment to work from, especially to do this type of thing, do a podcast and be able to talk to people from such a great, serene environment.
1: Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Well, uh, I know, I know you're enjoying it there and, uh, that's good stress relief. I know we talked about, uh, you might take a, take a little walk a little, a little later and, uh, check out the waterfall. So, uh, definitely make sure you send, send me some pictures of that. that's, that sounds fantastic. So
0: I'll I'll definitely do that. Uh,
1: so, you know, tell our, uh, you know, introduce yourself, uh, to our listeners.
0: Uh, again, Aaron Chapman. I've been in the finance industry since 1997. Um, been working with real estate investors almost exclusively since 2003 because I found that, a, that the investment mindset is one that I identified with very, very well. Um, I still work with a lot of homeowners buying their their whether it be their first time buyer or somebody's buying their their dream home after they've invested for years. We work with a lot of them, but for the most part, the real estate investor building a portfolio is where we do a lot of our business. Um, Also, on the side, my wife and I um, volunteer with the Sheriff's Department in their mountain rescue unit. I'm in charge of their technical rescue team, so if you see people getting stuck over cliffs or in very, very precarious positions, we're the ones that set up the ropes and rappel down and get them, or come rappelling in from a helicopter, that's always fun. I'm also in charge of their off-road rescue unit, where we have a very heavily equipped Jeep to go in there and get people who have rolled their their rig. we get an opportunity to give back in that type of a way where I get to go hiking, climbing, and wheeling with air support. Who, who doesn't want to do that, right?
1: Yeah, that sounds so, great.
0: Right. That's a nutshell of Aaron Chapman. I'm blessed to have this place here in Missouri, that um, old, two old cabins from the 1800s that we turned one into an office. I get to come back from forth here once a month and work from here.
1: No, that's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you being here. You know, we could uh, we could talk about a lot of different things. Um, I know you have a, a, a rich history um, in in business and in banking, and then also in life. And I'm, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Um, and you've also uh, you've had you, you've overcome some uh, some major obstacles in in business and in life. And so uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit um, today. But um, you know, I, I know uh, one thing that's really important important to you, and, and I, I, I'd like to give you the opportunity to kind of start there, is, uh, you know, just talking about your, your why and your purpose, and, um, you know, uh, I, want, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of go into that a little bit. Uh,
0: the why and the purpose is a lot of different things, um, which is really kind of interesting, because, you know, when you have a father and a husband, you've got those whys that are very easy whys to come up with, um, but I've, I've developed a different purpose when it comes to real estate investors, seeing how we have changed lives in very simple ways. The, the thing that I found for the most part, people have taken basic um, basic motivations and have allowed themselves to be stifled by overthinking what's going on in their environment. And so my job right now is to cut through a lot of that. In fact, you know, I wear a chainsaw hat all the time now because I'm going to cut through the crap. Yeah, literally. And that's one of the reasons I wear this all the time. I don't brand for any. I don't, I don't build any other brand. But I I found that this is what goes on my head because it reminds me that individuals, I think that complacency is, is one of the biggest diseases we have. And then over, at, at over analytics is also a massive problem with individuals. And my job is to simplify it, really cut it down to the simplest form. And that's one of the beautiful parts of this particular environment. I'm here in in this cabin, in this office. This is the simplest place, I can possibly be cut through a lot of the stuff and stick with the simpleness of, of life and business. And if you whittle it down to things to its its uh, most basic form, a lot can be accomplished. And so my goal is to, and, and motivation with the real estate investor is to sit them down that initial call and cut through all the com- complex things that have been put in their lap, all this ridiculous amount of data. And let's really find what literal what small steps we can use to make them very successful. Now I've been doing, like I said, this since 2003 with the investors last year, I personally closed 676 transactions for investors. That's a lot of experience coming from multiple different people's decisions that I can apply to each person I'm working with. Um, the real estate investor, I look at them as really the CEO of their either startup or expanding firm. And my job is to apply as, as a CFO, give them perspective from a financial, uh, viewpoint that we can put to work for them and cut through the BS and get them successful as quickly as possible, but not at any sort of risk or mitigated risk. We'll cut it down.
1: No, that sounds fantastic. So, rolling that into um, you know what what we're going to talk about today, um, let's let's just kind of start on, on on the big picture and let's just kind of uh, paint a picture um, of, uh, where you feel like we are with the real estate cycle right now. It's, uh, we're recording this, it's, uh, early 2018. Um, and you know, let's talk about just, uh, interest rates a little bit, just as kind of wh- where we are and, and just that, that, um, uh, you know, where, where we feel like, uh, that, that we're going there. Um, so, you know, what, what are your thoughts on just, uh, the, the, the current situation that we find ourselves in here in early 2018?
0: Well, before we get there, I just want to quickly say, this is being done from my phone. So if somebody tries to call in, which I know somebody did, I have to quickly cancel that and go right back to this. So if it happens, you're not losing me. I'm just you know, having to juggle a little bit. So one, I'll, I'll, I'll preface there. And then two, I, I, I truly think um, we've seen a lot of people jumping into the market over the last few years. The real estate uh, opportunity with single families and multi-units up to four-unit uh, um, properties has been a, a big charge. Finally, people have gotten out of that analysis paralysis piece and started getting involved. And so we've seen some things happen in varied markets. I think we may be reaching some peaks in some places. Um, and I can't say for, cer- for certain because there's still a lot of money floating out there, but there's a good chance that we may be reaching some of those peaks. Not all, uh, not all markets, but many markets. And if that is the case, I, I want to just tell everybody, don't be concerned. Because uh, when when peaks come and they come off those peaks and you see those valleys, that's a great, an even better opportunity for real estate investors, right? Mm. Get in, get in while you, while you can cash flow, and then get in where, when you're seeing those bottoms, and anywhere in between, in between, because the the cash flowing real estate opportunity exists better than it was in all these these um, I guess the thought processes that happened in the mid 2000s, where people could buy a home and then two weeks later sell for 50 grand more. Mm-hmm. That was a whole different world. And we're not, we don't target that. We focus on the cash flowing piece. Mm-hmm. So I do fear that there are some markets are going to see that, but my, my message is to not stress about that. Look at the opportunity that exists. Does it cash flow or does it not? Mm-hmm. Because if it cash flows, then you're in great shape. Because so think about this. You're, if you're putting 20% down on an acquisition, which is what I encourage to be the minimum down payment, If you're putting 20% down, what is the, what, what's left there? to bridge your down payment to the actual purchase price. If we're talking $100,000, how much is there? 80 80 grand, right? Mm -hmm. Where's that 80,000 coming from?
1: From you, (laughs) from the bank.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got a checkbook right here. Um, It's coming from from the finance. And and what I'm doing in the finance piece, people are coming at this with a consumer mindset of spending money and going into debt. That's not the case. I mean, I know that we are a, a society of consumers, you know, 72% of the US GDP is made up of consumption 19. Point, I think it's 19.6 or 19.7% of the global economy is the US consumer. So the mindset needs to be we need to find our way through it. I'm actually bringing a business partner in the form of a bank who's going to put up 80% of the capital for the acquisition but does not take 80% ownership in the business. The investor still retains the entire business at 20%. But who pays off that 80? The tenant. The tenant right? So let's just say, let's say there's no value increase at all in that property over a 30 year window. You're not jumping any, any uh, increase in equity other than the tenant paying off your partner. And let's say 30 years from now, you sell the property for exactly what you paid for it, $100,000, right? You put 20 in, the tenant paid off 80, you sell it for a hundred. How much are you going to pay in taxes on that?
1: Are we, we're selling it?
0: Yeah, if you sold it, just, and let's go worst case scenario.
1: Uh if you bought it for a hundred and sold it for a hundred, there's no tax due.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. But did you pay back the eighty? Nope. Tenant did it. No. The tenant paid back the eighty. You got to write off the say five percent or five and a half percent, let's guess. I mean it's right now we're a raising rate environment. Let's say there's five and a half percent interest, you rate it wrote it off as if you did, somebody else paid it, and you paid no tax on the eighty grand. That's beyond cash flow. Mm-hmm. Rent raises, appreciation, tax benefits, hedge against inflation, you got a zero tax 80 grand in, injection. So that's why I tell people is your worst case scenario. You know, so what are we worried about? There's yeah. so many other upsides to discuss. Yeah. Um so that's one one perspective on it. And as far as the the interest rate environment you were just mentioning, yes, we're an increasing rate environment. Um that's where we need to talk about other options. Twenty percent down maybe still the best option for you. Maybe it's twenty five percent down. Right now, at 25% down, we're seeing as much as a d- half uh, percent improvement in the interest rate at the time of closing, with mm. an additional 5%. Mm. And what are you risking with 5% more down? You got a lower balance on the loan, you get a little bit better payment, and a lower interest rate. So many of the uh, those who I'm working with that are putting out performance, I'm telling them put the performance at 25, at five and a quarter or five and three eighths, and you should be very safe with that right now, and you should be cash flowing well, and it's still a very very good deal to get into. And we then take the approach of each individual investor and working with them on how to structure their portfolio, whether it's 20%, 25%. Uh, if you're doing multi-units, it is a minimum of 25%. But 30 years with somebody else paying back the note, can't lose.
1: Yep. no, I love it. So um, give our listeners, you know, we're on the public public side here. So, um, you know, a lot of people still are not aware of these Fannie freddy loans that are out there. So kind of... Um, uh, l- l- let 's talk about that just just a little bit as far as uh, the, the number of those that are available for uh for each taxpayer
0: okay so the the fannie Mae Freddie Mac we know the names um, they are the the, the uh, government endorsed entities more or less, and they don't it 's not their money they're they 're basically backing up the money. This is all wall Street investment capital you know, the interest rates will move based upon the amount of money available to lend. So we're getting. I watch the mortgage- backed securities every day. and what they do is they tell us where where money's coming in or out of those particular pools. It's just like any sort of other economic data. The more available, the cheaper it gets. So the more money that flows into those pools, then the lower the interest rate gets. The money that flows out of those pools, the more expensive the rate gets. Right now we're seeing money flowing out of it, but it looks like it may have stabilized in the last few days and I'll individually go over each per, uh, with that with each person I talk to when it comes time, show them charge the whole work. So where Fannie Mae and Freddie, Matt come in, they write the guidelines and say that if, if we can use this money for these purposes and the person who puts up the money, whether it be a pension fund or another country or whoever, we'll indemnify them for any loss if they're following our guidelines and our rules. Now we as an entity, we have underwriters in place and processors as myself that we have to put together the paperwork to follow those rules. People really get upset with me when we start asking paperwork that they hate to give. And I'm here to tell you, I hate to read it, guys. I don't wanna look at your paperwork anymore Do you wanna give it. You have to scan it and send it to me. I've gotta print it or not. Well, we don't print anymore. We just pull up on a system, a secure system, and I review it. In that review, we're looking at all this data and we're taking a peek at um, all this information, doing these calculations to make sure it matches with the requirements we're given. Because if we don't follow the requirements, we can't use the money. And this is the cheapest money out there. Mm -hmm. Fixed for 30 years. Right now, it's probably mid-fives. I think we're the only country, if not maybe one other country on the planet, that, um, so let's go back real quick here. So fixed for 30 years in the mid-fives is what this interest rate is. There's very few countries, I think there's maybe only one other country, that will allow this. To get that basically can use 30-year fixed money that's backed up by the government, so it's kind of subsidized in a way, take advantage of it while you can. Mm. So I can do 10 of those for one person. So one person can have 10 financed properties. So if you currently have your primary finance, that counts as one. If a husband and wife have financed their primary together, it counts as one for each of them. We can't split it down the middle it's if they each are responsible. And then they can do nine apiece if they can both qualify. All right, there's other types of loans out there where you don't have to qualify with income, but these ones you have to qualify with your income. And the cool thing is, is if you have, buy a rented property, we get to use the rent to offset the expense. So let's say you have, you bought a property for 100000 and we always talk 1% rent-to-value ratio, so it's $1,000 a month in rent. With that $1,000, I can use seven, uh, 75% of that monthly rent on the, on the uh, uh, rental agreement, the lease agreement as usable income, that's $750. Well, in this particular rate environment, probably about 650 to 670 as far as a payment on that. So I take the $650 a month, I subtract it from the 750 because the rent's paying it, so it's paid. So I subtract that out, and I give the new owner $100 a month to their income. Well, if their debt to income ratio is already good from what their current exp- expenses are as for them individually and their income, and I give them another 100 bucks, because they bought this property their inter- debt to income ratio went down so they continue to qualify for future properties as long as they don't go crazy and start spending more money somewhere else mm-hmm. on other personal things on top of that we have to have a certain amount of reserves when we go over that calculator with each person the reserves have to be um in, it can be in any account that's accessible they don't have to pledge money we don't have to move money if it's a 401k or an ira we can count those reserves um, and that's really basically how it works. You have to have the credit to back it up, the income to back it up, and the property that will pay for itself. And we're in pretty good shape to keep moving forward and get those other nine properties. Now, let's think about this. You've got a husband and wife, both working, both professionals. They both qualify for nine properties. That's 18 pieces of real estate. And let's just say they're going to be generating $250 a month apiece. That's a pretty significant amount of money. So if you got $250 a month, I'm going to run this calculation because for some reason I should just know this, but uh, my head's kind of mush at the moment. It's $4,500 a month coming in in income. With that coming in, I always tell people, focus on those properties. Everybody wants to ask me, what about beyond 10 or beyond the 19 if they're a couple? Right now, let's not not concern ourselves with that. The rules change so much. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on getting that. Once you get to $4,500 a month in revenue coming in, what do we get to do with that? There's a ton of options. We can target uh, cash flows to pay off uh, the lower balanced ones, move those to a different entity, add another one. There's so much more we can do that's focused there. Um, too often we let ourselves get scattered about, hey, I've got the future of retirement that I want to do 20 years from now. Let's not think 20 years from now. That's a good thing to put out there and know what that page is going to be so we can write your, ba- your, your book backwards to the, uh, your investment book all the way backwards to your table of content. But let's focus on what we can do. We can do nine and nine, or Mm -hmm. if it's a one individual, we can do nine or maybe 10 because they paid off their primary. Let's evaluate your scenario, get your marching orders there, and let's just roll. Let's work together to make sure that that part happens. Then we have decisions we can make with a lot of capital.
1: Yeah, no I, I love it and I'm I'm a, I'm a big supporter of uh of that plan. But let me play devil's advocate here cuz uh some we people do. say, "Oh man, you're uh aren't you worried about getting over leveraged? That sounds like a lot of leverage for somebody to take on. You know, how would you uh how would you answer that question to somebody that 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 may uh you know, if they're a Dave Ramsey follower or somebody saying, "Oh man, that's too much leverage." Would how would how would you uh, respond to that?
0: Well, first off, let me say Dave Ramsey's awesome. Love Dave Ramsey's thought process, but his thought process is for what? The other 72% of the population. In reality, if you want to get to the Napoleon Hill thinking, it's 98% of the population who needs that type of thinking because they're busy putting themselves in holes. You ever heard of the law of holes? I don't You know what that is, so. the law of holes? No. It, if you find, When you find yourself in one, stop digging. No.
1: <laughs> now I've heard that. <laughs>
0: and, and that's... <laughs> So that's, that's Dave Ramsey right now is teaching people how to stop digging, right. right? It's applicable for many, but not for the real estate investor, unless they find themselves in a hole, then get out first, and then let's talk about uh, what we can do here. So yes, it's a lot of leverage. I agree with that. From a consumer mindset, it is leverage. But they're now a CEO of a real estate investment firm. It's a completely different thought process now. Mm-hmm. Now, the leverage is what is going to make it work for you. Let's say you've got these 10 finance properties and two of them go unrented. Well, you're pulling in, to, what, $2,500 a month off 10 properties, let's just say, and two go unrented. What does that leave for you as far as cash flow? You're still pulling in a cash flow on those others of somewhere in the range yeah. of about $2,000 a month. Right. That $2,000 should be able to pay the payments on those two unrented properties, right? Because those two unrented properties at 650 a month, let's just say, you're $1,300 in payment. Do you have enough money to pay it? Sure. Yes, you do. The, the one thing that a person needs to do is make the business work for the business and not have to go to their pocket. The only way to at least limit the risk of you having to go to your pocket is to leverage more. I know it sounds backwards, but it's to leverage more. Um, an individual who's thinking the Dave Ramsey thought process, they may not even want to get into this. They may want to just put aside their 10% every year for the rest of their life and be very cautious where it goes. Cause you put it into the wrong places, it's going to vaporize on its own. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to villainize the market, but in reality, there's a lot of things out there as far as stocks and equities and other things that, in my opinion, it's legal thievery. There's ways to inflate it and take it. Yeah. No. You know, so um, there, there's a lot of risks, but yeah, right? in my opinion, the the, the expanding leverage is, is less risky.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, I agree with you, and um, I'd I'd just like to make a couple points. That, you know, the uh, the example that we use there 250 dollars a month cash flow. Um, you know, that's very very reasonable and a, and a lot of our properties and a lot of our markets that we work in we're getting uh, much, much higher than that and then um, uh, you know one other thing is just uh, uh, appreciation uh, that's uh, available on, on those houses when you hold those for a while a lot of times you're lending on um, you know, 75% loan to the value on the home. So you have equity in the house already. And then in a lot of markets, especially right now, you know, we're seeing pretty nice appreciation. So as that goes up and that debt gets paid down, the, the loan gets safer and safer as it goes, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. In fact, if you, if to show the power behind 250 bucks, do you mind if we do a quick little math exercise? Now I'm going to ask you questions. You're going to have to do the math. And in it, it, <laughs> now it's simple math. I'm not I'm not getting into into any heavy equations here, but it shows how extremely powerful two fifty two hundred and fifty dollars a month is before I mean this does this is not even factor in a maintenance or vacancy. We'd set that aside. Um even if you had even if you have to factor it later, it's still ridiculously powerful. Are you good with this? I
1: don't I don't I don't like doing math on recorded audio. <laughs>
0: We'll get your calculator handy. It'll be very simple.
1: Oh, well, let's go. All
0: right. So we're going to talk. If I don't
1: like it, we'll cut it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we can do that. Oh, and by the way, just so we know, this is the Sony guys. I don't have a beer in my hand. I just want to make sure everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, so so um, we're going to talk a $100,000 acquisition with 20% down. And we're going to treat it like a 30-year annuity. All right. Because in, in essence, that's what we're doing here. So... It's a $100,000 acquisition to put you 20% down. How much is that?
1: How much is down? down? We're 20 down. It's 20%. Right. 20% down. Yeah. How
0: much is 20%? And how 20, much is that in
1: dollars?
0: $20,000. $20,000. $20, $20, and I always tell everybody, budget, say, between five and $5,500 for your, let's just call it around, and even six, if you're in one of these really high tax places, six grand to cover, down payment, I your, your closing costs for lender, title, uh, taxes, insurance, appraisals, inspections, all that. So if you've got twenty thousand and then six grand for your settlement, how much is that total? Twenty-six. Twenty-six thousand is what's coming out of that person's pocket. And then we've just this, we've just concluded two fifty a month in cash flow. And I'm gonna say before maintenance and vacancy, before you even factor that in, let's say you're getting only two fifty a month. A person's going to calculate their cash on cash return off that two fifty against the twenty six thousand, right? Okay. Okay. I say that that particular method is somewhat flawed um, because when you're thinking about a cash on cash return model, where you're taking your cash flow and calculating against the the outlay you put, that's in an effort in an effort to recover the full twenty six thousand. But in reality, you didn't lose the twenty. The twenty is still yours. You just put, moved it from a liquid account to a non liquid asset. So mm-hmm. You didn't de- you didn't lose the twenty. You put it on a shelf. Right now, the six thousand. That six thousand was spent because it went to goods and services that you're never going to see again. It was vaporized to some to, to labor in a way. So let's talk about that twenty grand right now. That twenty thousand, we concluded earlier, that eighty thousand is being paid off by somebody else, right? So right. your twenty became a hundred because you've decided to incubate it and let it sit there. So you gain if you take that eighty thousand, divide it by thirty years, and calculate that into the twenty. That's thirteen point three three percent of the original twenty thousand coming back to you every year. Right? So we grew that and just put it on a shelf. So that's like an annuity. 20 becomes 100, we know that. Now mm-hmm. back to the six grand. If you took the 6,000, how long would it take to get your $6,000 back at 250 a month?
1: 24 months.
0: 24 months and you paid yourself back. Your 20 is still yours. You put the twenty, the $6,000 back in your pocket in 24 months. So if 30 years is 360 months, and you use 24 of them to pay yourself back. How many do you have left in the 360?
1: 336.
0: 336 months. For, so for 336 months, if you made 250 a month, how much would you have at the end of 336 months?
1: $84,000.
0: $84,000. And you have your other 80. So add those together and what do you have?
1: 164.
0: 164 grand. You've made $164,000 after you paid yourself back. You still have 20 sitting there. We haven't even gotten the rent raises, appreciation, tax benefits, or hedge against inflation. $164,000. Now, some people say, wait a minute, you didn't factor in maintenance and vacancy. Well, let's, let's, take that to, let's put that to work. I'm going to go, since I'm the CFO, I can beat on numbers all I want. That's my job. I'm saying 40% of the acquisition price should be sufficient if you, the CEO, picked the right property that was well put together, 40% should be sufficient to maintain that property for the 30 years of ownership. So 40% is how much? 40% of the acquisition price of $100,000 is how much?
1: $40,000.
0: $40,000. Does that seem probable to maintain a property that has a good roof, good mechanicals, good bones, good structure? You picked it yourself. Yep. So if you did that, forty dollars to maintain it. So you covered all contingencies right? for $40,000. You back the 40,000 off the 164, what do you have left? 124. $124, $124,000 of increase, six grand in your pocket, $40,000 to cover all contingencies for 30 years. You still have 20 grand sitting there. What was your return on investment? You're going to gonna get stumped because there's no, there's no way yeah,
1: there is, <laughs> you You can't calculate. I mean, there. you're a
0: damn smart guy. You're yeah. one of the smarter guys I know. And I don't, I've got to find a quantum physicist to really figure out what's the return here because yep. it's incalculable. And that's yep. where, you know, when you look at a cash on cash return model and cap rates, I get it. It's a good tool. But in reality, when you really break down the simple numbers, this is ridiculous. Right. You know, and that's where a person says, hey, am I getting over leveraged? Well, let's put this to work. Are you? <laughs>
1: No, I, I love it. I love it. That's, then that's a, that's a, that's a great way for us to kind of look at that and then, um, you know, really understanding that leverage for, for going, going through that for one property and then, you know, imagining what that, how that leverage can apply to multiple properties to even 10 properties or 20 properties. It's uh it's super powerful. So, uh, that, that's great. So, um, Let's move on, Aaron. And um, I, I know you don't lend on in uh, in two IRAs. Um, I know you don't do um, non recourse financing. But um, let's just just for a second, let's just go there. Um, can you apply this philosophy that we just talked about to self directed IRA accounts? Kind of a loaded question, but.
0: No, well, I don't see why you couldn't. I mean, if you've got a self-directed IRA that has enough capital in it, and I know that the um, the down payment requirements is a lot steeper. I'm guessing 45 to 50%. I haven't looked at the most recent ones. Um, so you're talking about those steeper down payments. Why couldn't you apply the same philosophy? But that's a separate entity, right? Yep. So you've got your own personal business that we work on together, right? And and just to, just to go backwards to the equation we just did, that's not to sell a person on real estate. That's just for them to decide whether or not the person that they may choose myself as their, their CFO, if you will, does my mindset work to help them? Or is it going to hinder them? That's Mm -hmm. what it boils down to. Um, So you've got that business over here working for you at 10 properties or 19, whatever it is, is your situation. And then you have your IRA doing that on its own as well. Mm. Right? So what we do is we'll use the IRA. Here's my perspective. If if it was a perfect uh, situation and I've got a person that has personal capital to buy 10 properties, we leave the IRA in cash as a, um, as your reserves to pull from, to show that you can get the loan done and you have the reserves to fall back on. Then once we built your 10, then take the IRA and start deploying that to start getting its own real estate mm-hmm. and start uh, getting that built. So then we can use that same philosophy there. So now you have two different legs going, right? You have two different sides of your business. One you know, has your personal side, one has your IRA side, and then you can expand into other sides. So it's it's a matter of looking at from the 30,000 foot view and then structuring those properly to be sure that they, that they build uh, in a way that benefits your acquisition and expansion without risking either side. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So we absolutely. have to kind of
0: personalize the conversation.
1: Yeah, no, that's And good I do have enough. some good
0: contacts for the IRA stuff.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. Cause I know, um, uh... I know we've got some listeners and members that are interested in that. And um, um, I think that's uh, definitely, I mean, obviously we're spending a lot of time talking about uh, single family houses and um, that's not all we like to talk about, but, uh, but, you know, as, as it relates to this is super important. So um, let's move a little bit to uh, uh, just a a little bit more about you as we're kind of coming to the end of this, of the public uh, part of the podcast here. Um, Just, uh, you know, what is, uh, what is freedom? Mean to you, Aaron? What does that mean? If I say, "What does freedom mean to you?"
0: That's a good question because it can mean a lot of things, to you, to especially to me, because it changes from day to day what freedom is. Really, freedom to me is be able to do what I want, how I want, without negatively impacting another. Period. You can't. Uh, and, and, and I mean, just look at me for crap's sake. Yeah. You know, when you said you're going to bring on a, a, a banker on the line, a real estate investment banker, is this what a person pictured? This, and this is, this is my outward appearance of freedom, for me to be able to look the way I look, act the way I act, and do it the way I do it, and be extremely successful. I've been very, very, very blessed with success, and a lot of it has to do with this. And it's showing people outwardly that you can express whatever you want and be good at whatever you do, just being you. You don't have to fill in any mold. To me, that's freedom and that's success, to be able to not, not be in any mold and be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish with your life.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, love your love your outlook on on everything, man. Um what about um you got a you got a favorite book or a favorite quote or you know, share share something with us.
0: Well I got both for you. So a right. favorite book is kind of hard to do. I've become a, a very a student of Napoleon Hill. And um the the quote that would work, and it's from Darren Hardy. Uh, he is the editor of Success Magazine, and I can't—I'm not exactly precise with this quote, but he basically says that um, you need to find a mentor, somebody you can follow, and it doesn't have to be a live mentor. So my mentor is Napoleon Hill, hmm. and Napoleon Hill—if you look back at the books he's written—you know, first being Think and Grow Rich, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a couple other books that I've read that that absolutely need to be part of that. So it can't be just one book. So I encourage everybody to read Think and Grow Rich. Then read Outwitting the Devil, which was published in 2011. He wrote it back in the 1930s, got put in a vault. Get that book and follow that one as well. And then uh, Wisdom of Success, which is his trans the-, the transcription of his interview with Andrew Carnegie, the mm. initial interview. So those three That's together right. complement each other so dang well. Um, and then I always encourage everybody to go to www.hillsprayer.com, as in Napoleon Hill, and it's Hills Prayer. What it is, it is his 17 principles in video form of him at his desk. I believe it's probably in the 50s or 60s, I guess. I don't know. It's a black and white? It's like having YouTube videos with the man himself. And follow those principles. And I think I gave that, that same thing to you when we met last. Start off with one principle. Listen to it every single day for a week. And then when you get to, the, to, to Sunday, do the exercise and then go with principle two. It changed my life. So unfortunately, I can't just give you one book. I gave you a few things, but it was life changing for me. And I encourage people to start that, follow that, and you'd be amazed at what happens to you as a result.
1: Yeah, that's some really good pearls Aaron. Um, man, I really appreciate you uh, bringing this. Don't go anywhere. Um, we're going we're to gonna kind of wrap this up. So uh, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Phone, email, website, where do you want them to go?
0: phone is definitely the best. I um, mean, so the website is AaronBchapman.com. Um, And the B is my middle initial. Uh, so B is in boy, that's not my middle name. So Aaron B. That should take you to my professional site. Um, and then of course, my, uh, my phones, uh, that's, I usually go with a text on that one. 602-291-3357. Again, 602-291-3357. It's all over the internet and you just text me and we'll, we'll schedule something.
1: Okay. Yeah, man, that's awesome, and we'll put we'll put I do that in there. have to sh-
0: throw in there real quick. Sure. I do have to throw in there my MLS ID. Um. Um. Actually, wanted something. I kind of forgot what that was. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. You,
1: we'll do, have do, to do cut you, that out. Do we need a disclaimer?
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. You all know, the website's got it. The website's got it. Yeah. Um. So, because I've got so many numbers in my in my mind anymore. Um. That, that particular thing, uh, I have to make sure it's um, 267844. That is my NMLS ID. That's the ID. A person needs to be able to find my licenses. So okay. sorry about that one. It's bank account numbers in my head, all kinds of stuff are in my head. And I knew that it was something like that, but I had to look it up.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, man, fantastic. Good. Great job. Don't go anywhere. Um, to our listeners, um, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you'd like to know more about what we're doing, we, uh, Aaron just gave his information there. Um, if you'd like to know more about, um, high speed Alliance, uh, you can check us out on our website at highspeedalliance.com and, um, Check on there for our uh, upcoming events and uh, or just send me an email at drb, drb at highspeedalliance.com. Hi, this is Dr. Forrest Bryant and I want to thank you for listening to the High Speed Podcast. Uh, we want to remind you that the information we share on this show is impersonal and only our opinion. You should not take impersonal advice and apply it to your own situation without discussing this information with us or with another licensed professional uh, that's familiar with your situation. Um, Our opinions are just that. And this show is for education only. Uh, This is in no way a solicitation or offer to sell any securities or other types of investments. So thank you and uh, have a great day.
0: You've been listening to the High Speed Podcast. To read our blog and to learn more, visit our website at www.highspeedpodcast.com.